What's up, y'all? So excited to be here with you guys today. If you don't know, my name is Pastor Jared. I'm the pastor of our Access Community, which is the Young Adults Ministry of Resurrection Life Church. And so super excited to be here with you all. Before I get into it, um, I just really wanted to highlight that one announcement of come serve with us, all right? God has given each and every one of you a specific skill set and he means for you to use it for him and his kingdom. There's a parable in uh, Matthew 25 where Jesus ta talks about certain gifts and he calls those gifts talents and he entrusts them to specific people, right? And it's not what, what Jesus is looking for and he tells the parable, some of those servants, they actually use the talents that were given to them. They use the gifts that were given to them. Some of them just put them on the shelf and didn't use them. Right? But God commends those who use the talent, and he actually rebukes those who didn't. Right? And that's a little bit of a hard word. Right? I'm not here to rebuke you to this morning, okay? <laughs> this is the evening. But I am saying that our community is comprised, and it's really run by the people who say, I have gifts and abilities, and I'm actually going to lay them down for the sake of the kingdom. I'm going to put myself to work for the kingdom. And so specifically, we want to highlight two areas. One is our audiovisual team. If you're like, man, you have that eye for audiovisual or you have that desire to learn about audiovisual, please come talk to me after service. We would love to get your talents, your gifts and abilities to help serve this access community. And then number two is worship. You know, we see that worship team and sometimes they do so good every week. Wasn't worship amazing tonight? Oh, sometimes we see them week in, week out, so amazing. We're like, man, they're so good. They wouldn't want me. That's not true. That's not true. We, we love to train up uh, musicians and singers in the things of God and teach them how to carry a heart posture of worship. So if you're interested, if you play an instrument, if you play any instrument, please come talk to me after service. We want to get you connected. All right. So good. All right. Come on. So super excited to be with you guys tonight. Um, before I get really into the thick of things um, with my message, I just want to uh, speak a word that I kind of feel on my heart tonight. Sometimes God downloads specific things that are kind of unrelated to the rest of my sermon, and so I call it like the pre-sermon, sermon before the sermon, right? And so uh, I got a little sermon before the sermon tonight, all right? And we'll see if I actually get into my real sermon. Kind of long-winded sometimes, but working on it. So uh, this, this word is specifically about being devoted to a local church, all right? Our generation is kind of known for being a little bit flighty, <laughs> jumping around from one community, jumping around to the next. Maybe I go to this church and I go to this young adults group and then something happens and I'm like, ooh, I don't really like that anymore. I'm going to dip out, right? And I just want to speak a word that that's not really the fullness of the heart of Christ for you. It's not. And as an access community, we really feel like God is calling us to grow, grow in our relationship with God before we go and affect this world with the kingdom. And as a result of that, and that desire to grow, there's an individual side of that that's largely found through reading of scripture and personal time spent with a God. And that's where our red initiative comes into play, where we're reading through the whole New Testament, right? But there's also... While, while the individual scripture reading is vitally important to your spiritual growth, staying devoted to a consistent body of believers is equally as important. 
as Christians, we have two commands that summarize the entire law. The entire Bible is summarized in these two commands, and they're found in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39. And in essence, Jesus commands us simply to do two things, love God and to love people. And one of the greatest expressions of these two commandments are in Acts 2, verse 42. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And verse 46 goes on further to describe this devotion. And it says in verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. In the wake of one of the most powerful moves of God that has ever been experienced by humanity, the, the outpouring at Pentecost, which can be found in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit was poured on a group of believers that had never had the Holy Spirit before. And in the wake of that spiritual experience, what do we find that group of believers doing? Devoting themselves. They're staying committed. And then they're attending the temple together on a weekly basis. Now, for us, we don't really have temples around here that we go to, you know. It's not like I call my buddy up on the Sunday morning. I'm like, yo, you going to the temple first service or second service, right? <laughs> we don't have those. But so the, the temple nowadays would be called a local church. And that's, that's what it would be. And I feel like God has been doing something so special in this community. He's been pouring out his spirit on us. And the way that we can steward that spirit that actually has been poured onto us is by staying committed to a multi-generational local church. This community on Thursday nights, it's good. I love it. I'm, I'm the pastor of this community. I love it. Obviously, I'm here, right? But this can't be everything for you because this is, this is only one generation. I can, I can only coach you and I can only teach you based on the level of experience and revelation that God's given me right now. But there, do we realize that in this local church, in Res Life Church, and in many amazing churches in the Grand Rapids areas, there are men and women of God who've been walking with him for over 60 years. And they lived, they've lived where you live. They've gone through what you are going through. Why would we not tap into those sources of wisdom? Why would we not stay rooted and planted in one place so that we could actually form relationships with those people in our life and maybe be saved from a lot of dumb decisions? Because I don't know about you guys, I'm, I'm inclined to make dumb decisions. And if I don't have my council of elders, I'll call them, that was a weird way to say that. <laughs> if I don't have the people in my life, the multi-generational people, like, I would have made so many bad decisions in my life. That would have brought so much death. But thank God that I had men and women in my life that were like, Jared, do you see what's going on here? And I'm like, what? Why'd you just slap me in the face? Like, it's not a big deal. And they're like grabbing me by the face, looking me in the face. They're like, don't do it. And I'm like, fine, I'm going to trust you. I still think I'm right. But I'm going to trust you anyway and follow your advice. And then three years down the road, I'm like, huh. Oh, wow, I see. Like, I thank you, I guess. You know, I was wrong. You were right, right? But that is the type of community that God's calling our generation to be in. And I really feel, the reason why I'm getting a little bit passionate about this is because I really feel like the enemy is attacking our generation. And, and this is his attack. This is his, his 
His ploy is to actually lead us away from the older generation in our life. It's to make fun of them. It's to disdain them. It's to actually look at their way of life and go, I can't believe they used to do things like that. And the enemy, what is he doing? He's driving a wedge in our hearts and in our life and robbing us from sources of wisdom that God actually means in our life to send us into our destiny and our calling. We, as young adults, we don't have it all figured out. And I believe that God's leading us into a humility. So all of this is being saying, all of this is saying, stay committed to a local church. If you're not in a local church, Res Life is a local church. This is the, the Thursday night young adults expression of Res Life Church. We meet on Sunday mornings. And I would encourage you guys, come on a Sunday morning here. Come on a Sunday morning and maybe ask God, Lord, who would those older generation people be in my life that can pour into me? And maybe go a step further, say, Lord, who are those younger generation people in my life that I can pour into as well? If it's not Res Life Church, that's okay. I'm asking you simply just to ask God, what is your local body? What is your local church that you can stay committed to? Even past the hurts, even past the, the bad worship sets or the time when I walk in two weeks in a row and I'm like, Lord, I didn't feel it. Newsflash, it's not about you feeling it. God's not about, like, he's not concerned as much with your feelings as he is about your heart and your character. He's concerned about conforming you into the image of his son. So stay committed to a local church, all right? That's my, that's my charge to us as young adults. It's not to bounce around from place to place, but to actually stay committed long enough to where you know people and you allow people to know you. So come on. All right, that was sermon part one. <laughs> Here we go. I've got uh, about three other sermons prepped for tonight. So buckle up. We're going to be here. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I only got one more. So only got one more. So right now we're in a series of messages called the spirit of truth. And we've been centering this month on the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. If you remember, we began this series in January 5. It was rally night. We talked about the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. We covered how the Holy Spirit is God. And he's not just God of the New Testament. He's God of the Old Testament. And that he's been present from the very beginning of creation. And as such, we should give him the praise, the glory, and the honor. Next, we talked about the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, presence of the Holy Spirit with us, and the presence of the Holy Spirit upon us. I said that a little bit backwards. With us, in us, and upon us. And we, and we had a powerful time of repentance and freedom that first week. Last week, so last week, Jonah Ingle was here. Oh my gosh, I was so blessed by his word. That was so amazing. And he talked about how the purpose of the Holy Spirit is actually so that we would be glorified, that we would be full of the glory of God. He said, just as being terrified means that you're full of terror or intense fear, so also glorified means to be full of the very essence of God, which is his glory. And many of us took deeper steps in making God our reward. It was so good. And so tonight and next week, we're going to be focusing specifically on the gifts of the Spirit, and next week we'll cover the fruits of the Spirit. And both of these are so vitally important unto seeing not only our lives transformed, but the lives of people around us transformed 
for God and for his kingdom. So let's pray. Oh, shoo, Jesus. Oh God, I need you. I boldly declare right now, I'm lost without you. Lord, I have nothing, God, if I don't have you. I am bankrupt in every definition of the word if I don't have you, Jesus. Lord, I just echo what Paul prays in Philippians 3 when he says, all of my accomplishments, all of my efforts, they're as garbage to me for the sake of knowing Christ. I count it all as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. Lord, you are our greatest reward and we love you. God, I thank you that tonight, Lord, that we would center on you and your presence. Holy Spirit, that you would move in our hearts with supernatural wisdom and understanding. Lord, that these words that come out of my mouth would not just be information that only affects our head, but it would be transformation that affects our heart, which eventually affects our life. Lord, we thank you, God, for that revelation knowledge. Oh, Jesus, I love you. There is no one like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Come on. So tonight we're going to cover three main things together. So we're going to cover the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit. And then we're going to define the gifts of the Spirit. And then lastly, we're going to talk about how, how we as believers can be used and how God actually desires for us to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. All right. Okay, so start off, let me ask you guys a question. How many of y'all have ever heard of the verse John 3.16? Anybody? Nobody? Oh, everybody's heard of it. Okay, yeah. So John 3.16, it's one of the most famous verses in the Bible, right? And maybe it's not for the reasons that we think. Maybe it's because you see, you know, some rainbow guy wearing a John 3.16 t-shirt, Maybe it's, you see a sign at a football game and they hold it up, you know, during the field goals. I don't know if you've seen that between the goalposts. There's always one dude. <laughs> There's always one dude who's like, I am unashamed of the gospel. And he's holding up a John 3.16 sign, right? Or maybe you remember this. I think I was like 10 years old, 2010, when uh, Tim Tebow, he was in the state or the national championship run, wore John 3.16. That was bold, man. Tim Tebow's awesome. I love Tim Tebow. Uh, but maybe we know John 3.16 from all of those things. But John 6, 3.16, like I said, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Let's read it together, all right? We're going we're gonna to talk about the purpose of the spiritual gifts. And the purpose is defined as kingdom. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is found in the kingdom. God gave us the spiritual gifts so that we could join him in his mission of setting up his kingdom on the earth. I'm going to say that one more time. Ready? God gave us the spiritual gifts so that we could join him in his mission of setting up his kingdom on the earth. All right? So let's pull up John 3:16. It says, "For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life." It's so funny. I grew up here at Res, and we had a program here at Res that was called Stars. All right, 
And Stars was largely based, how many of you guys remember Stars? Is anybody OG Rezer, Rez Lifer here? Yes, come on, so good. I still got my badges, guys. I still got my badges and my trophies. So anyway, this program was kind of based on Bible memory. And so um, they would give you memory verses to memorize each week. And for every like packet you finished, you got like a certain number of jewels that went on this badge, all right? And so it was like, it was totally awesome incentive. Little Jared did not really care about hiding God's word in his heart. He just wanted the badges. He just knew that my friend, my friend Jesse, he was going to roll in with his six badges. And I was like, man, if I don't one-up him, I'm, I'm out. Like, this is it. Like, I got to get these badges, that, those red jewels, and then I come all the way into the middle, and then those green jewels, ooh, those are going to be nice, right? So I started memorizing this, but I remember I was like probably first or second grade, and I'm sitting in the back, street, back seat of our large Astro van. I always sat in the middle of the back seat. I'm the youngest of five kids, so never got to sit up front or in the bucket seat. It was always, hey, Jared, we'll just throw you in the back, right? That's it. So I eventually got used to and comfortable with that, but I remember reading this and like committing this verse to memory as a first and second grader, you know? So I've known this verse my whole life, right? I've hidden it in my heart, and I would try to say it as fast as I could. I'd be like, for God so love the world, that we gave us all things again, perish, have all eternal life. And I was like, my mom was like, what are you doing, bro? I'm like, are you speaking in tongues? I'm like, no, mom, I'm not. I'm just saying a memory verse. And so, but I've known this verse my whole life, but it's so funny how, you can know something your whole life about God and the word, and you can just completely look over some of these things, right? And God has deep and rich revelation for us in the word of God. Like the revelation from God is literally endless. I challenge you, sit with a verse that you think you know back and front, like the back of your hand. I challenge you to sit with it for 15 minutes and ask God, show me something I've never seen in this verse. Because he will. He will. I thought I had this verse all figured out, memorized since I'm in first grade. Boom. God showed me something different in it. Okay. John 3, 16. I'm going to read it one more time. For God so loved the world, we're going to center on this, this word, world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So when you look, sometimes I grew up, and the way I've understood this verse before is that the world here, what Jesus meant by the world was people who are unsaved. Like God so loved people who are not saved that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, right? That makes sense. But just today, actually, I looked up the Greek word behind the word world. And when you look at the Greek word for world, you actually see a different definition given and the Greek word used in here, here in John 3.16 is actually the word cosmos. It's cosmos. Now, that's, we've heard that word, cosmos. And it literally means an ordered system like the universe or like creation. So we could say that for God so loved the ordered system of creation that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So this ordered creation, i.e., or you could say the Garden of Eden, the one that God had set up from the very beginning, he so loved that ordered creation. It was God's perfect and created order. But because Adam and Eve gave their authority over to the devil through their sin, 
this, create, this created and perfect order was destroyed. And because of that sin, we see all of this brokenness evidence in our world. Sin, sickness, poverty, injustice, and the, the list goes on. So the question is then, okay, if God so loved this created order, he so loved this place that he had set up, the system that he had set up being the Garden of Eden, the way that he related to man, the way that man related to him, the way that there was no sin, no sickness, no demonic presence. He so loved that order that he gave everything in order to get it back. So why did Jesus come into the world? Was it for salvation? Absolutely, right? Absolutely. Jesus says in Luke 17, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. But God deeply desired and still desires to restore the whole of humanity back to relationship with God. But we see a broader and a more expansive reason why Jesus came into the world. And this is evidenced by the first sermon that Jesus ever preached. In Matthew 4, after enduring 40 days of fasting and temptation, Jesus returns in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is go time. This is what he's been waiting 30 years for building up. He's been building himself up in his spirit. I imagine, sometimes I imagine like the host of angels and the great cloud of witnesses kind of like watching our lives unfold like a movie, right? And they're like all sitting, the angels in heaven are all sitting and they're seeing Jesus go through the 40 years of, or 40 days of temptation and the 40 days of fasting. And they're like, they're nudging each other. They're like, bro, it's coming. Like, this is it. This is what we've waited for our whole life. The Messiah, he's finally got the power of the Spirit, and now he's going to come, and he's going to preach his first sermon. I imagine the angels of heaven, they're putting out Twitter posts. I bet his first sermon's going to be about salvation. Ooh, I bet, I bet his first sermon's going to be about healing, and he's going to perform these awesome, ooh, I bet, I bet this, I bet that. I bet he's going to show them how he is the fulfillment of all the messianic prophecies. This first sermon is coming up. But what do we see Jesus say? His first sermon, Matthew 4, verse 17. This is Jesus. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. This was Jesus's purpose. Yes, it was unto salvation. Yes, it was unto healing, but it was bigger than that. It was about establishing a kingdom, an existing kingdom. He came to reestablish, reestablish the created order that the father so deeply loved at the beginning. And in this created order, there was no separation from God, no sickness, no disease, no foul spirit of torment and no lack. Jesus came to redeem humanity. Yes, but he also came to redeem the whole of creation. So what do we see Jesus do when he's on earth? We see him preaching the kingdom of God, talking of the parables of the kingdom of God. We, he was trying to explain the way that the created order, this heavenly kingdom currently functions in heaven and how the father desires for that kingdom, which really exists to function on the earth. And we see this idea of Jesus coming to redeem this created order, this perfect kingdom that exists in heaven played out in the Lord's prayer. Matthew 6, verse 10, he's in the middle of the prayer when he says, Father, your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus was all about. He came to establish a kingdom that exists in heaven and establish it on the earth. Again, also in Romans 8, verse 19 through 21, this idea of him establishing a kingdom is realized. It says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Did we catch that? Like one of the reasons that Jesus came was actually to redeem creation. It was actually to redeem this broken world that we see full of disease and death and decay and dying. And it's all of creation, just like we, us, just like us in our hearts, we long for the day when Jesus will actually come back and restore this creative, this created order on the day when he returns in his second coming. Jesus came to this earth to establish his kingdom, to restore the perfect created order so that God's kingdom could come, his will could be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, 1 John 4 verse 17 says something really powerful. And I want us to get this. This is is the kicker. You might be asking, okay, if we're talking about this kingdom We're talking about God establishing a kingdom. We understand Jesus came to redeem the whole of humanity and actually the whole of creation. He came actually so that earth would look like heaven. But how does that affect us? 1 John 4 verse 17 says, by this love, but but this love is protected with us. By this this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he, Jesus, is, so are we in this world. Do we catch that? As Jesus is, so are we in this world. Jesus Christ was sent into this world to establish the kingdom of God. And so also we are sent into this world to establish the kingdom of God. And this is the purpose of the spiritual gifts. Two, by the power of the Holy Spirit, heal the sick, raise the dead, prophesy, receive dynamic revelation from God and divine wisdom, drive out demons, see blind eyes opened, and the list goes on. But in functioning and opening ourselves up to the spiritual gifts, we become co-laborers with Christ in establishing his kingdom on the earth. I'm going to say that one more time. In functioning and opening ourselves up to the spiritual gifts, we become co-laborers with Christ in establishing his kingdom on the earth. We literally become an answer to Jesus's prayer in Matthew 6. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what we're after. Jesus came, he came to restore created order on the earth. He came so that every single sector of society would reflect his glory. Not just in a church, that's religion, right? But that media would reflect his glory. But that the arts would reflect his glory. That business and education would reflect his glory. Jesus wants the whole of humanity, this whole created order, 
all to reflect his nature. And he's asking us to partner with him through spiritual gifts to establish that created order on the earth. Now, before, before we ever go out into this world and affect God for his kingdom, the kingdom of God first has to affect us. If the kingdom of God is not present and set up in our own hearts, how can we expect to set it up anywhere else? And I know that Brian gave a call already, but I feel impressed on my heart to actually go another step right now. And if you're honest with yourself in this room and Jesus is not king in your heart, maybe you've seen the kingdom of God around your life. Maybe you've come to church before. Maybe you've never been in church and you're sitting here and you're you're under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Your heart's beating fast and you're saying, I don't know how this guy knows, but he's talking about me. I'd encourage you right now, there's an opportunity for you to let the kingdom of God be present on the earth in your heart. So would everyone bow your heads and close your eyes? If that's you and you're saying, either, I'm gonna give two responses here. If you genuinely prayed during worship and you said, tonight was my night, and during worship you said, I want to follow Christ with my whole being, or Number two, you're saying, I missed it during worship, but I know I should have. And I want to right now set up King, Jesus as King in my life. All I'm going to ask you to do, everyone's head bowed, eyes closed. All I'm going to ask you to do is to open your eyes and look at me. And keep those eyes open until I make eye contact with you on the count of three. All right? So you're saying, today, I want the kingdom of God to be present in my own heart. I'm done with my old life. I'm done with this sinful, broken order that sin and the devil has ravaged me with. I'm done with it, and I want to pursue Christ wholly and only. You're saying, I'm walking. I'm not, I'm not dipping my feet in two places. I'm, I'm off the fence. I'm jumping all in with Jesus. If that's you, on the count of three, just look up. Make eye contact with me. One, two, three. That's you. Come on. Thank you, God. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Man, this is awesome. Thank you, God. That's good. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. Jesus' name, would everybody, would everybody pray with this prayer with me? Say, oh God, I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you did die and you rose again, defeating death, sin, and the devil. And God, I surrender my life to you right now. I'm done with my old ways And I want to live for you every single day of my life. I make you the Lord and the King of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all.
This is so good, guys. Thank you so much. This is amazing. This is amazing. Um, for those people, I connected with you via eye contact. I want to talk to you, all of you guys, all right? So I'm going to ask something bold of you, okay? I'm going to ask something bold. And I don't ask this because I want to embarrass you. I don't ask this because I want to know how many people give their lives to the Lord. It's not about that. I want, I want to speak a word over you that's really practical. I feel like God's put on my heart specifically for you guys tonight. So when we dismiss here in just a little bit, would you meet me over by the, the chairs over here on this wall? If you'd meet me over there, I want to pray with you. I want to connect with you guys and kind of go forward from there. All right? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Mmm, this is so good. I got about a third of the way through uh, my notes here, um, which is good. All right. I got about four minutes left in me. Does anybody, can everybody stick around for four minutes? Oh, come on. All right. Praise God. Let's go. Holy Spirit, help me. Where should I go from here? Let's go. All right. So we talked about, we talked about how the, the Lord really designed spiritual gifts in our life to represent him and his kingdom. All right. So the two things that I really want to, I really want to target in these last four minutes is one, I just want to make you aware of the spiritual gifts that are available to you as a believer in Christ. All right. So these are the spiritual gifts. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. It says, for to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom. Sometimes they, people call this the word of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge. They say word of knowledge, according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. Sometimes this is called discerning of spirits. And to another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Those are all of the spiritual gifts. Now, you might be sitting here and asking yourself, like, what's the big deal about spiritual gifts? Like, why, how can I be confident that God actually wants spiritual gifts to be evidenced in my life? God actually tells us plainly to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts in our life. Eagerly desire. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. The problem is some of us have grown up in religious teachings where spiritual gifts, we recognize they're there, but they're not really that important to us. They're, we're just like, you know what? There's a lot of controversy around there. I don't know if I believe the whole pray for the sick and they're healed. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of uh, things that don't make sense to me individually, right? And those are real things to experience. I'm not making fun of those things. Those are real things to experience. But I believe that the devil is using that skepticism to rob us of the opportunity that we have to partner with God in setting up his kingdom on the earth. But Paul writes to the church, and we see a different narrative in the Bible. We see a different narrative. Paul says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Is that true? Is that true of you in your life? Can you confidently say right now, I earnestly desire the spiritual gifts to be evidenced in my life? Not so I can record a TikTok video and get amazing likes. Not so that I can feel puffed up and finally feel that I'm actually right with God because his power works through me. No, but I work with him because I love him and I love his kingdom and I wanna see this kingdom expanded on the earth. 
And so what do we do with this eager desire? What do we do? We ask God for the spiritual gifts. Now, I know some of you guys are thinking, looking at me and they're like, wow, that's a revelation. <laughs> Is it not really? We ask God. If, if it's really God's will that we would walk in the power of the Spirit and with the power of the Holy Spirit, then we can be confident that when we ask him, he's going to give us our requests. And if we won't give up in asking him, but be persistent in our prayer, our Heavenly Father will adhere to his word. 1 John 5, 14, this is what it says. This is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. The spiritual gifts are open to us as believers. They're not only just available today, they're available for you. They're available for you. They're available for you. You and you and I. God wants to move in our heart this way. They're available to us and all we have to do is ask God for them. All we have to do is come before him, ask God. So as we close tonight, all we're gonna do is we're just gonna ask God together, all right? We're gonna ask God together that he would move in our life through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you wanna zero in and pinpoint on one of the spiritual gifts that you feel like God's calling you to, right? It could be gifts of healing, miracles, gift of faith, maybe. It could be a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, the discerning of spirits. God could be pressing on your heart tongues and interpretation of tongues. Whatever it is for you, I would encourage you, pick out a few, pick out a few of those in 1 Corinthians 12 and come before God and say, God, I desire your kingdom to be so established on the earth. And I know that you wanna use me in this way to affect you, affect this world for your kingdom. All right, so let's pray together. Everybody can just join me in praying. What we're gonna do right now is what's called a Korean style type of prayer, all right? So in Korea, this is literally how they pray. Um, they don't have one person that prays while everyone is silent. Everybody prays at the same time. And so sometimes it's called waterfall prayer. And this waterfall prayer, it, it's called waterfall prayer because it sounds like a waterfall. All of us just all together kind of praying, all right? So I'm gonna encourage everybody to pray out loud. If, you're, if this is uncomfortable for you, good, because th th God wants to meet you on the other side of your comfort, all right? So pray out loud, pray out loud. If you don't know what to say, just say, God, I want the spiritual gifts. God, I want a gift of healing. God, would you give it? I, I ask you for it. I come humbly, all right? So Sydney, if you could turn off my mic for the next couple minutes, and we're gonna go after this Korean style prayer. Ready? Three, two, one, everybody all together. God, we come before you, Lord. So Jesus, we come before you, we love you, and we thank you that you're a good father and you desire to give good gifts to your children. So we say it in faith and we receive. Everyone just say out loud together, I receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all. Thank you, Jesus.